Good morning, everyone. How are we all? Oh, it's good to see so many of you. A very warm welcome to you all this morning to our all-age service. It's great to see so many of you here, uh, and a warm welcome to you if you're watching online as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cal. Uh, I'm a ministry trainee here at the church, uh, and it's my joy to be leading us through our service together this morning. Uh, now, as I said, uh, today is one of our all-age services, uh, and as you can probably guess, that means the service is for Everyone of all ages, whether you're young or you're old, this service is for us all together. Our children and young people are going to be staying in with us, and for the whole service, we're going to be together as one big church family. Now, we've got a lot of different things going on this morning. We've got some games to play. We've got songs to sing. We're going to spend some time praying together. Uh, We've got some exciting church family news to share with you, Uh, and we're also going to spend time looking at the Bible A little bit later on, Nathan is going to be helping us as we look at our final part of the book of Romans, looking at the Bible together. Here's a question for you. What are you doing here this morning? Why have you come out to church here? What are you hoping to get from today? Maybe for some of you, you're here because you want to catch up with some of your friends that you haven't seen this week. Maybe some of you are here because your parents have brought you along and you don't really have any other choice. Maybe you're here because you enjoy singing the songs or or enjoy learning more about the Bible and what it has to say. Maybe you're here because someone invited you and you didn't really have anything else better to do. Or maybe you're here because there's something about church or something about this guy Jesus that makes you just want to find out more, to see what it is all about. Maybe you're here just because this is what you've done for the last 50 years and so you're here out of habit. Well, whatever reason you've got for being here this morning, let me read a verse from the Bible. A verse that will be familiar to many of us. Where Paul, the guy who writes the book of Romans, who we're going to be looking at a little bit later, tells a church what his big hope for them is. What his prayer for them is. He writes in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17... And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. See, Paul wanted the church to understand just how wonderful and incredible and amazing the love of Jesus is. That was his big prayer for the church. And this morning... Whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you've been to church for thousands of times or this is your first time, let's make that our prayer for today. That if there's anything we get from this service, that it's we would understand more of just how wide and long and high and deep Jesus' love is for each one of us. Lovely, right, we are now going to play a little bit of a game. And this game is called, Who Am I? Um, If you look uh, along your row and on your seats, you should find some post-it notes and some pens. Uh, And what I need you to do is to get into pairs or in your family or in little groups. uh, And I need you to nominate one person as a writer and one person as a guesser. Okay, so get together in little groups. One person with a writer, they'll need the post-it note and the pen. And someone who's going to be the guesser. Okay, as you sort that out, what you need to do, if you're the writer, on the post-it note, 
make sure the guesser can't see it, but you need to write down the name of a famous person, or you can go with an animal if you like. A famous person or an animal, right? Don't let the guesser see it. And what you need to do with that post-it note is place it on the forehead of the person who's guessing. And the aim of the game is for the guesser, with someone's name written on their forehead, to try and work out who they are. Okay? And the only way they're allowed to do that is by asking questions with a yes or a no answer. That makes sense? So post a note on a forehead, make sure they don't know what it is, and they can then ask questions, and they've got to try and figure out who they are. Five, four, three, two, one. Ah, stop it there. Uh, give me a wave if you manage to get it. A few of us. Okay, yeah, most of us managed to get it. There was definitely some interesting looking names going down. Seems like we did a, we did a good job in generally. We didn't just play that game for no reason, right? We asked that question, who am I? You were trying to work out who the person's name was on your forehead. But today, as we go through our service, we're going to be thinking about that question for ourselves. Who am I? Who am I really? You see, it's important to know the answer to that question, isn't it? Not just what your name is or or where you're from, but who are you really? Who are we? See, there are lots of ways that we can try and answer that question, isn't there? Sometimes I am, maybe I I am what I do. Maybe if you're a, a sports person or you have a certain job, that's what you identify as. That is who you are. Maybe we say, I am what I have. The things that, the possessions that I own, that's, that's what makes me, me. Maybe we think we are who what other people think of us. Maybe we are the things that we are good at, our successes in life. Or maybe we are defined by our failures. See, there are lots of different ways that we try and define who we are. But in Romans chapter 16... That we're going to look at today, Paul is going to point us to our true identity. He's going to help us see who we really are. And Paul says, if you're a Christian, then that's who you really are. That's what defines you. That's the most important thing about that you are a Christian. And we're going to have a think about what that really means and what that really looks like as we go through this time together. So we're going to read the passage that we're going to look at, but you're not just going to have to sit there and listen to me or someone else read it. If you look under your seats, you will see that we are printout of the passage that we have. Uh, and your task here is in those little groups of the people sitting around next to you. Um, you can read the passage and there are a few questions that are going to come up on the screen, which I want you to have a think about as you read. Okay. You might want to get your pens out. There might be some circling and some underlying things that you need. Um, But here are some of the questions. As you read it, can you find all the names of the different people that are mentioned in this passage? That's the first. Can you see the way that Paul describes these people? And thirdly, what is the word you find next to Christ? Okay. So together, maybe you can have one person read it. Maybe a couple of you can read it together. Get your pens out, circle, underline some of the answers to those questions. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do that. And then Nathan's going to come up and help us think about that a little bit more. So two minutes together in your groups. Have a crack at that. Keep going. 
Keep going. Again, focus on those questions. Find all the names of the people. Maybe find out how Paul describes some of those people. And then find, what's that word that keeps coming up again every time you see the word Christ? What's that word? Okay, keep going a few more minutes. You didn't think you'd be working hard when you came to church. Look at you go. Amazing. You doing well up there? Good. Keep going. Are you doing well at home? You don't have the sheet in front of your butt. You can get a Bible open and do the same too. Maybe try and focus on those descriptions of the people. That's probably the hardest one to find. Names are easy. The word next to Christ is probably easy. Any other descriptions? See if you can come up with a few more in the final 10 seconds. Good job. Good job, everyone. Now, keep those pieces of paper in front of you. We're going to keep referring to those throughout our time together. And I wonder how you got on with those questions. Did anyone find lots of names? Lots and lots of names. 27. 20 different, 27 different names. What was your favorite name? Right? Maybe some of you don't even know how to say. Mine was, let's, uh, um, can you see the little number 12? Trifina and Trifona. I presume they're twins. I don't know why, but I think they're twins. Trifina and Trifona. Great names, right? 27 people mentioned in these 16 verses. Now, did anyone notice the descriptions of people? How Paul talks about them, refers to them. Okay? Maybe I'll say a few and see if you notice them. Did you see him talking about them as a sister? As a brother? Did you see that? Did you see him talking about a co-worker? A fellow worker? A mother? Did you see that one? A dear friend. You see that came up? A relative. We saw that word come a few times. And he talked about a big group of them towards the end as God's people. Did you see those descriptions as Paul talked about these uh, Christians in Rome? Now, I wonder, maybe you can turn to the person next to you and talk about this. If that's how Paul describes these people in Rome, as a sister, brother, co-worker, mother, friend, relative, God's people, how would you summarize who they are to Paul? If you could boil it all down to one word, what word would you choose? What are these people to Paul? Off you go. Turn to the person next to you. What one word would you use? Does anyone want to put their hand up and tell me what their one word is? If you could boil it all down to one word. Mark Andrews. Can you say it even louder? Can we all say it together after three? One, two, three. Family. Family. Right? That is the best word, I think, to describe who these people are to Paul by the way he describes them. Now, what is it that makes these people family to Paul? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? What is it about these people that makes them Paul's family? Now, can you turn to the people around you? And if you're sat next to a member of your family, can you give them a high five? All right? Maybe it's your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister. Maybe an auntie, your uncle. Give them a high five, right? Now, some of you are giving lots of high fives. Maybe some of you aren't giving high fives at the minute because you're not sat next to a family. That's okay. But is that what Paul means here? Are these people his actual family? Are they his brother? Are they his sister? Are they his mum? Are they his dad? Are they his auntie? Are they his uncle? Are they his cousin? 
No, they're not his relatives, his blood family. You see, these people are very, very different to Paul. They're very different to each other. They're from all sorts of different places. They're all sorts of different ages. They have different backgrounds, different stories. And in fact, Paul hasn't actually ever been to Rome. Some of these people he's probably never even met. And yet, even though they're not his blood family, he talks about them as if they are his family. So again, the question, what makes these people family to Paul? Now, get your eyes onto the piece of paper. Can you find the little number nine? Can you find the little number nine? I'm going to pick one of these people, Urbanus. Do you see Urbanus? Yeah, we all see Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. Now, let me get... Let me get my little box of Tupperware here. And let me get a pen. I'm going to draw a stick man here, right? Can we all see this? Right. Can we all see that? This is Urbanus, right? And where does the verse say Urbanus is? Can you look at the verses? Where does it say Urbanus is? Can anyone shout it out? He is in. Let me get my pen out. He is in. You see, I've written that down. Here's Christ. And Urbanus, my friend Urbanus, your friend Urbanus, he is in Christ. Okay? Urbanus is in Christ. But Paul doesn't say just Urbanus in Christ. He says lots of these people in Rome are in Christ, doesn't he? He says it again and again and again. So there's Urbanus. And there is another name. Let's say Tryphona and Tryphena. They're in Christ. And we've got another one there, another person in Christ, and another person, where are they? In Christ, and another person, where are they? In Christ, okay? We've got all these people that Paul say they're in Christ, they're in Christ, they're in Christ. Now, you're probably asking the same question I am. What on earth does that mean? (laughs) Right? What does it mean for these people, urbanists being one of them, to be where? In In Christ, what does it mean for them to be in Christ? Well, here's a question that I want us to think about together to help us understand what it means to be in Christ. And it starts with this question. What does God see when he looks at me? Okay, what does God see when he looks at me? Saab and Callum, can I have you up the front? Give them a round of applause as they come up front, right? Callum, you're going to be stood over here. And Saab, you're going to be stood right here, okay? What does God see when he looks at me? Now, over here, we've got Callum. And the Bible says that what God sees when he looks at me is this. Can you put this on, Carl? Can anyone shout out what it says as Callum puts it on? Sin. Sin. When God looks at me, the Bible says, when he looks at you, when he looks at all of us, he sees sin. God is a good God who has given us all that we have, and yet the Bible says we all say no. No thank you to you, God. I'll accept the good things you give me. But I just don't want you in my life. And instead, I'm going to live life with what in the very middle? 
I. Me, me, me. My, my, my. What I want. What I get. I live life with me in the middle. And living that life that way leads to lots of things. Again, let me read some of the words it says on the t-shirt. It leads to gossip. It leads to pride. It leads to greed, hate, envy. There's some words on the back as well. Disobedience, violence, cheating, unforgiveness. Living life with me in the middle leads to all sorts of brokenness in the world. And more than that, it leads to separation. Separation from other people and separation from God himself. You see, God says, because of your sin, you can't come in. You can't be part of my family. What does God see when he looks at me? He sees me in sin. He sees me in sin. But over here, we have someone else. Can we read out? Put on the t-shirt. Who do we have over here? What does it say on the t-shirt? We have who? Nice and loud together. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus. And it's a very different picture, isn't it? We see me over here in sin. Over here we see Jesus. His t-shirt is very different, isn't it? It's pure. It's unstained. It's clean. You see, Jesus came into this world and he lived his life with God in the middle. He isn't separated from God like we are. He is close to God, part of his family. And the good news of the Christian faith is this, that Jesus came into the world and he offers me something. He offers to die in my place and take my sin. Can you do that, Jesus? Can you take the sin of Cal to take it away? He offers to take it away from him. But more than that, he offers to give me his clean, perfect, spotless life. He offers it to Cal. And so this is a hopeful, hopefully help us understand what does it mean to be in Christ? In Christ means saying yes to that offer. To say yes to Jesus' offer. To die in our place. To take our sin from us. And for him to give us his perfect, clean, pure life. And if we say yes to Jesus' offer, when God looks at me, what does he see? Isn't that amazing? When God looks at me, does he see me in sin? No. That's the old me. That's gone. That's been taken away by Jesus. He sees the new me. He sees me and he sees Jesus. If If we say yes to that offer. And because... God looks at me and sees Jesus, his clean and pure, spotless life. Because of my sin, you can't come in. But because God sees Jesus, God welcomes us in to be part of his family. 
And Paul says, this is who you are. This is what it means to be in Christ. This is the real you. If you say yes to Jesus' offer, you are in Christ, part of God's family. Can we say that together after three, one, two, three? In Christ, part of God's family. And the beautiful thing is, that's not just who I am. That is who we are, right? Again, we come back to Urbanus over here. Oh, we've got Urbanus over here. We've got family box over here. Do we see what it says in the corner over here? What does it say? Family. Family. Urbanus is in Christ, part of God's family. But he's not there by himself, is he? In Christ, part of God's family. 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 Can we say it together? In Christ, part of God's family. In Christ, part of God's family. This is who we are together. Part of God's family. Why? Because we say yes to Jesus and his amazing offer. Thank you, Cal. Thank you, Saab. Hopefully that's helpful for us to understand what it means to be in Christ. Together at LCBC. Now here's a question. Can you turn around to the people next to you? I asked you before. Can you give a high five to your family? Does that change who you're high-fiving? Right? It's not just your blood relatives. If you have said yes to the offer of Jesus, you can high-five everyone here. Right? This is who we are in Christ, part of God's family together. Yes. High fives all around. But not just here at LCBC. We're in Christ, part of God's family with other churches, aren't we? We think of Buckingham. We think of Marlow. We think of Wellesley over in Scoria. We're in Christ, part of God's family together. We're family with people from other countries. We think of our missionaries. We think of the Mahangas, for example. We're in Christ, part of God's family with people all over the world. We're in Christ, part of God's family with people all through history. Paul, Urbanus, Typhona and Typhina, right? In Christ, part of God's family together. So the question I want to finish is thinking about just for this part of the talk is this. Who are you? Right. Have you said yes to Jesus' offer? Are you in Christ part of God's family? Or are you in sin? Are you in sin? If that's you, the offer is there. The offer is there today to say yes to Jesus' offer and be part of something truly incredible. Who are we? In Christ? Who are we? In Christ. To help us think about that a little bit more, let's watch a video that summarizes and helps us see again who we are together. Let's watch the video. Before Christ, I was a different person. This person was my old nature. 
my old self. But that person died, and my life is now hidden with Christ. I am in Christ, and he is in me. I am a new creation. Holy, pure, unstained, without blemish. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what God has done for me. He has wiped my slate clean. I am blameless before God. Therefore, shame has no place in my life because I am a new creation. All of the ugly parts of my story, the parts I want to pretend never happened, have been redeemed. And they have become the moments in my life when God's grace is most on display. Thank you, God. My mistakes do not define me. My past does not define me because God has defined my identity. I am his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. This is my identity. This is my identity. This is our identity. This is my identity. This is our identity. This is our identity. This is our identity. This is our identity. This is my identity. This is my identity. This is our identity. This is my identity. This, this is, is our, our identity. identity. This is my identity. This is our identity. This is my identity. This is my identity. This is my identity. And this is my identity. Now, can we think back to earlier in our service and the game we played with the poster notes in our head? Right, can you remember playing that game? Put your hand up if you were able to guess who you were. Not many. Oh, it was our game then. Right? I was Elvis. Yes, I guessed. Oh, yes. I guessed. Ah, just in time. Just in time. Nice. But what if the, the question we asked for that game was, who am I? Right? Do you remember that? But what if I asked a slightly different question? What does it, li- what does it look like? To be who you are. Okay, so for example, if you had a lion on your forehead, what would it look like to be who you are? You'd probably go, right? What does it look like to be a lion? It means roaring like a lion. Or what if on your head you had Colin White, right? What does it look like to be who you are? You'd probably start walking around like that. Okay, the new, right? What does it look like to be who you are? Sorry, Vicky. Uh, <laughs> okay, 
Okay, slightly different question. I know who I am, but what does it look like to be who I am? Or it's a slightly different thing. And that's what Paul wants to help us think about now. He has told us who we are, right? Can you remember who Paul has told us who we are? I'll give you a clue. <laughs> who are we? Right, that is who you are. He said, know who you are, but now he says, be who you are. What does it look like to be this person that God has made you to be? And he's going to help us think about that in two ways, okay? Two ways that Paul pulls out from these verses. What does it look like to be this new person? And the first way is this. Being in Christ, part of God's family, looks like knowing each other. It looks like knowing each other. Again, get those pieces of paper in front of you with the verses just so you can see and refer to them. Okay? And as you read those verses earlier, quite quickly, it's really clear that Paul knows these people, doesn't he? He knows their names. (laughs) We know that. Those 27 names mentioned. He knows their names. And We've got to say, well, done to Paul, isn't it? Pat yourself on the back, because some of those names are tricky. So to remember those names, he's done really well. But also, more than just names, he knows, he knows their stories, doesn't he? He knows some of the things that they've been through. He knows some of the things that he's been through with them. He knows what they've done, what they're going through. He knows their names, and he knows their stories. And again, there's another key word. Maybe you noticed that. Maybe you can look again now. There was a word, another word that keep kept coming up again and again and again and again at the beginning of lots of the sentences. Can anybody put the hand up and tell me what's the word that keeps coming up again and again and again at the beginning of the lines? Can we say it together after three? One, two, three. Greet. Right, greet. Right, do you see that word coming up again and again and again? Now this word greet means to welcome. To draw close to yourself. We like that picture, don't we? To, to bring them in nice and close. And Paul says it again and again and again and again. Paul says it for himself. He wants to greet these people. He wants to welcome them, to draw them close to him, to get to know them himself. But he also calls them to greet each other, doesn't he? For them to draw each other close, to get to know each other. So what might this look like for us to greet, to know, to draw close to one another as our LCBC family? Well, it might start with names, right? Can you look around at the people around you? Well, look at the person next to you. Can you name them? What's their name? Do you know their name? Phew. (laughs) Look at the person behind you. Can you name them? (laughs) Don't know. Maybe look at the person two rows behind you. Can you name them? Uh, Right? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay, It, it starts with names, doesn't it? Paul's an example here. It's good for us as a church family to know each other's names, right? To know someone's name is a special thing. It's an important thing. Okay? But obviously, Paul here, it's more than just knowing each other's names, isn't it? What does it mean to know each other 
to be in Christ, part of God's family. He knows their names, yes, but he also knows their stories, doesn't he? He knows who they are, what they do, where they're from. He knows their experiences in the past. He knows their struggles in the present. He knows their hopes for the future. He knows their joys, so he's able to celebrate with them. He knows their pains, so he can cry with them. He knows their Jesus story, what they make of him, what he's doing in their life, what they love most about Jesus. And it's good for us to think about those questions. At a church of this size, we can't get to know everyone, right? But it's a good question to ask, do we know anyone? (laughs) Do we know anyone like this? deeply fully what they're going through what they're struggling with what they're laughing about what they're crying about what is jesus doing in their life we can't get to know everyone but do we know anyone in that way now we can do that in lots of ways here at lcbc can't we hospitality is a big way that we can do this having food with someone is one of the best ways if not the best way to get to know someone So what could it look like for us to eat together, to know each other? With a whole range of different people. Don't just invite the people that you know well. Invite people you don't know at all. Old and young, families and couples, singled and married, people who have been to church for years, people who are just new through the door. Eat together to know each other. Home groups, gathering together in smaller groups. Yes, getting the Bible open together but also sharing lives together, being in each other's lives throughout the week. What a brilliant way to get to know each other as our LCBC family. Coming to church ministries, whether that's Friday at 7 for the guys up at the top, get to know each other at Friday at 7, coming to adventurers as families and children, coming to contact, coming to spectrum. Don't just come for yourself, come for the people, to know them, what is going on in their lives lives and of course on a sunday whether it's before the service whether it's during the service or after the service lots of opportunities for us to be in each other's lives and to know each other what could that look like today well here's a challenge for you as you go out at the end of the service for your teas and coffees could the first question To anyone you come across, whether you know them well or whether you've never met them before, could it be this? What's your Jesus story? Now, that's a really wide spectrum, isn't it? That could be, what do you think of him? (laughs) What questions do you have about him? Do you even know who he is, what he's about, what he's done? Or that could be, what do you love most about him? What's he doing in your life? How's he making a difference? Right? Could that be the question that you ask to get to know someone today? There's a challenge. Cal, remind them of that later on, right? Don't forget. So there we go. Number one, what does it look like to be in Christ, part of God's family? It looks like knowing each other. And here's the final thing. You've done amazingly well to stay with me this far. Not long to go. It looks like serving each other. Again, get the piece of paper in front of you. Hopefully you saw, as you read through those verses... Lots of examples of Paul describing service. Again, let me put on the screen some that you can see. 
It starts at the beginning. Did you see Phoebe? Right at the very top, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, she's a helper. Service. Accept her. Serve her. Help her with anything she needs. Serve her. She has helped me. That's Paul and lots of other people. Do you see that service? You see Priscilla and Aquila in verses 3 and 4. They risk their own lives for me, says Paul. Service. And then other examples worked hard for each other in prison with Paul, a mother to me. See these examples of, of service. Now, as you look at those descriptions that Paul gives, again, maybe talk to the person next to you. How would you summarize what service means? Okay, maybe use those examples to help you. But if you were to summarize it in a sentence, what does it mean to serve someone? Could you turn and talk to the people around you? How would you summarize? What does it mean to serve someone? Well, let's see if what you said is similar to what I thought. To serve someone means this, right? Putting others before self. Is that a good way to maybe summarize it? Putting someone else before you. (laughs) Not me, 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 my, 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 what I want, what I need, what I get. But you, 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 what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I love you? If you're here last week, again, we were in our series in Romans. Saab was speaking on Romans 15. And he talked about how God has drawn us together as a church family. All different people, all different cuts of glass. He talked about different shapes, sizes, and colors. And as God brings us together, we look like this. Do you remember that picture if you were here? This amazing stained glass window, all different people, different shapes and sizes, but come together as part of God's family. And he said, we are a gift to one another. We are God's gift to each other as a church family. And what I want to say to encourage each and every one of us today is this. And listen carefully to this sentence. God's family at LCBC is served through you. Can I say that again? God's family at LCBC is served through you. You serve God's family. Who's an S club? Who's an S club? A few of you in S club? When you, when you're brave in S club and put your hand up and answer a question, you're serving God's family. Do you know that? It's true. Any teenagers, teenagers, give us a wave. When you come to Friday at seven and you go and talk to someone who's by themselves, you're serving God's family. Do you know that? Mums and dads, give me a wave. Do you know when, just before your child goes to sleep at night and you say a prayer for them before they go to sleep, you're serving God's family. Do you know that? God's family is served through you. Whether it's setting up chairs, loading the dishwasher, hanging up bunting, right? Whether it's offering a lift, picking up a prescription, offering to babysit, cooking, cooking a meal, writing a note, sharing a verse on a WhatsApp group. Whether it's giving to missionaries, whether it's logging on to Thursday prayers, whether it's doing the actions on a Sunday morning, whether it's praying out loud in a small group following up a conversation with you had someone with someone last week 
Whether it's being honest about how you're feeling and struggling, God's family at LCBC is served through you. Isn't that amazing? God uses you to be a gift to other people. Can you say thank you? Can you think of people who have blessed you and say thank you to them? Wouldn't that be a good thing to do to encourage them to keep going? And can you keep going yourself? (laughs) Keep being a gift to those around you, to those members of the church family. And you might say, how? (laughs) All right. How can I keep going? It's really hard to not say me, me, me and to say you, you, you. I can't do it by myself. Well, here's the final thing I'm going to say. Remember who you are, right? How do you keep going? You remember who you are. The old me is gone. The new me is here. I am in Christ, part of God's family. And more than that, not is it just me in Christ? But Christ lives in me, (laughs) right? When I say yes to the offer of Jesus and come into Christ, Christ himself comes to live in me, to help me, to be with me, to help me live this life that he's given me. To say no to me, to say yes to God and yes to other people. This is who you are. Know it and be it with God's help. I'm going to invite Neil up now. And he's going to help us through the next part of our service together. So let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the joy and the privilege of being part of your worldwide family of believers. And for this particular church family that meets here in this place. We thank you that Ollie and Natalie want to be a part of that family. And use the gifts you've given them to serve you in this place. We thank you for their heart to, to help those in need, or the children needing fostering, or those struggling with addiction. We pray for them and for Ariana that they will grow in their faith in you and know your blessing in this church. We pray for other members of our church family serving you in different ways, and pray this morning for Steve and Matilda Smith and all the work they do to help the Bible be translated into other languages so that people may come to know Jesus as their saviour. May you grant them and their teams energy and clear minds and bless their work, we pray. We pray for those in our church family who are are struggling at this time. Pray for those grieving the loss of parents, for Debbie Kratt, Pete Blatchford, Helen Hemsworth and their families. And we particularly remember Helen with the funeral of her dad on Tuesday. May you grant them all comfort and strength in their loss. And Father, for those having medical treatment, we lift them up to you this morning. We remember Leslie, Steve, Jean, Louise, and others, Lord. We pray their treatment will be effective and they and their families would know your presence with them. Pray for others who are in physical pain, for Lawrence, for Lyle, for John, for others struggling with chronic illness, with emotional pain, with anxiety, depression, or addiction. We pray you'd bring healing and fill them with your peace and joy. And help us all to show love and concern for one another through our prayers and acts of kindness. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, before the group leads us in a couple of songs to close, I'd just like to give you each the chance to share with a person next to you or as a family, what is the one thing you'd like to take away from this morning? Maybe it's something to be grateful to God for, or maybe something you're going to ask God to help you in maybe in the way you serve this church family. Maybe one thing to share, and then if you'd like to just pray with the person next to you or with your families, if you'd prefer just to sit quietly, that's fine as well. Just a moment to do that, and then the band will lead us in our final couple of songs. Oh, how good it is indeed, how great it is, how amazing it is that we can be here together, united as one big family in Christ. I've certainly had a good time this morning. I really hope you have too. And as we thought about at the beginning, our prayer is still that throughout this morning and as this week goes on, we would have grown in our knowledge and our love of Jesus, seeing what he's done for us, washing us clean bringing us in to a new family with a new identity. That's my prayer for all of us as we leave, that we would keep growing and understanding that for ourselves. That's what's come to the end of our time together this morning. Um, Do feel free to stick around. We've got tea and coffee in the back hall. It would be great to spend time chatting with you, particularly if you're here as a visitor or if you're here as a first time. Uh, We'd love to get to know you a bit more. Uh, We do need a couple of extra hands to help serving and tidying up with tea and coffee. So if you'd love to help out with that, then report to the kitchen um, after the service. But remember that question that Nathan left us with? As we chat together, as we spend time together as a family now, do ask each other that question. What's your Jesus story? How did you come to know him? What's he doing in your life now? Or what's your thoughts about him? There's a great question to leave with this morning.